Today on CityCast Philly, we're covering some of the week's top stories. It's the Friday News Roundup, and I'm joined by Frank Coomer, who covers regional environmental issues for the Philadelphia Inquirer. It's Friday, January 27th, 2023. I'm Trinae Nuri, and this is CityCast Philly. Hey, Frank, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Frank, let's start by talking about the story that you focused on this week. It involves the Boy Scouts are expected to sell some land because the organization is under some pressure from sexual abuse claims and bankruptcy. Frank, can you tell us about this story and and, and the people who are actually trying to save their land in Pennsylvania? What's happening here? Uh, sure. So uh, by way of background, uh, a few years back, and, th- and this is in, in wake of the Penn State scandal and other scandals, the church sex abuse scandals, a, st- a lot of states started passing laws allowing victims of uh, sexual abuse to make allegations from incidents that had happened years, decades prior to the actual uh, current time. So what happened is the abuse uh, came kind of flooded forward from the scouts, former scouts, about leadership. And so the scouts eventually had to settle this, and they came under pressure to uh, agree to a $2.5 billion national sex abuse settlement. And that resulted in a bankruptcy because the scouts just don't have that kind of money. They're they're land rich, but cash poor in a lot of ways. And the membership is low, right? And the membership is low. The membership has dropped precipitously over the years uh, in large part because not only uh, because of the sex abuse claims, but uh, a lot of children just don't go outdoors anymore. And this is a lament of the scouts and other youth organizations also. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd rather you know, be indoors on video games, et cetera. So uh, that's what led up to the current financial situation. And so each council operates independently of the National Boy Scouts uh, of America, but each was given as a charter a fixed amount to come up with and pay so some range from not much to uh, four, five, six million dollars, which is a you know if you can imagine it's a lot for a local scouting organization that basically gets its money through programs, popcorn sales, uh, et cetera. So historically, a lot of these scout councils, uh, like the uh, Cradle of Liberty Council in, in the Philadelphia area and Valley Forge area, uh, the Mincy Trails Council in Lehigh Valley area, owned a lot of land, and even in New Jersey. Camden County uh, Garden State Council that covers a lot of Camden County owns land in multiple uh, areas. So each was given amount to settle with and they had to come up with the money. And at the same time, they had this dwindling membership. So their finances were declining. So in uh, the Mincy uh, Trails Council in the Lehigh Valley, they had to come up with millions, uh, four and a half million to cover the two and a half million that they owe to the settlement and also debt that they had taken on, that they accrued. So they have a number of land holdings. They decided to sell Camp Trexler, which is 755 acres in the Poconos in Monroe County, Western Monroe County. And it's a concern because overall the scouts in Pennsylvania own probably between 15 to 20,000 acres of land. And the best approximation I've seen is 17,000. So if they do sell this land, Will it be enough to cover these costs for the victims? Uh, yes. 
from what I gather, the, it, it's still in courts. Uh, judges approve the bankruptcy, which is what set up the fund for the victims. So if there, there are some appeals, but if the plan stays as is, it should cover the cost from the victims. Now, the victims could get anywhere from a few thousand dollars to, to much more, uh, depending on obviously the amount of abuse that uh, the court has decided that person has suffered. And Frank, there are residents and nonprofits who are trying to save the land from being sold. Who who are they? Uh, sure. Well, there there is uh, a local neighborhood group that's banded together, and there's also a uh, trust, uh, Poconos uh, uh, Heritage Trust, that's banded together to try to uh, come up with the money for this. And I think we were discussing one of the issues is going to be uh, how much the land eventually sells for, which could be a problem because. Uh, a lot of sources were saying that they've heard the land could go from anywhere from a couple million up to four, four and a half million. And land trusts and uh, conservation groups are usually held to whatever an appraisal comes up with. So if the, if someone appraises the land for a third party, appraises the land for say three and a half million, and a developer comes in with four, four and a half million, uh, the conservation group is really kind of out of it at that point. They can't really they can't really justify coming up with another million to pay for the property. So that could that could be the rub. And a lot of groups are kind of in a bind that the land is zoned residential. A lot of other scout lands are zoned as conservation or conservation easement or rural or some kind of designation that would prevent a lot of housing uh, or development from going up. And speaking of another conversation over land use here in the city of Philadelphia, there is the historic Cobbs Creek golf course that's raised some issues and debate in city council over the week, past week or so. Frank, do you know anything about this story? Yeah. So uh, for those who, who aren't aware that Philadelphia Parks and Rec, or the city owns the Cobbs Creek golf course, and it was closed a couple of years ago after chronic flooding. And according to the city, it's just basically the degradation of the land has allowed for uh, it to become basically just uh, a flood zone almost every time it rains. So they they had to shut mm-hmm. it down. And they joined forces with a private nonprofit to renovate the course. And that's the Cobb Creek Foundation? Yes. Uh, it's going to put up $65 million to renovate the course. And what they want to do is they want to bring it back to its original design, which uh, goes stretches back to more than 100 years. And uh, it was known as uh, one of the area's most welcoming golf courses to, uh, to blacks uh, and also women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it had, it had a historic uh, legacy that they're, they're also trying to live up to. So the $65 million renovation is really extensive and it calls for a, a huge multi-tiered driving range uh, that had not been there before or, or of that size. Uh, but it also calls for an education center where local youth would uh, learn how to golf, golf skills. And I believe most of this would be free, most of the programming for youth. So there are a lot of people for this, but there are also a lot of people that have come out, uh, not necessarily against the course renovation, but mm-hmm. against the way that it's been handled. For example, uh, last year, there was clear cutting of uh, hundreds of trees across the course to make way for these renovations, uh, some of which the Cobbs Creek uh, Foundation says were necessary to, to enhance uh, riverbanks and uh, restore wetlands, create new wetlands that would absorb, be able to absorb the rainwater. And they've said that they would plant more trees, right? 
yeah, they're going to plant thousands of more trees. I, I do forget the exact number. And they're going to plant some. They've donated, I think, $250,000 to uh, local uh, tree filly to plant trees throughout the city also. Mm-hmm. And so the latest issue is the foundation has and the council have come up with a plan to uh, create a, an overlay district, which means, in other words, they would create an, a district over the course that would exempt it from a key environmental law that the city uses called the steep slope ordinance. And uh, the ordinance is designed to prevent runoff and stormwater uh, from eroding and uh, tearing down areas. So a lot of people have objected that saying the course doesn't need a kind of a blanket exemption for this. Uh, they should be more forthcoming uh, and offer a targeted areas, uh, show people more exactly targeted where they're going to uh, have to use this exemption. Okay, interesting. And ultimately, this bill still has to get final approval from city council, and then it would have to be signed by the mayor. Yes, it still needs final approval. And one of the odd twists of this is that this went through kind of an odd process where originally, I, I believe the foundation was going to apply for a zoning variance, which would be the normal route to uh, to be exempt from zoning law or, or from an ordinance like this. And instead, they uh, I think they believe they withdrew that and they went through the council to have an ordinance uh, to create this overlay district. So that complicated matters and it brought it back to the planning commission last week, who's who's now approved this overlay district, even though I do not believe most of them have seen the changes that city council uh, wants to make to it after uh, hearing from residents. Okay, so I have been wondering for weeks now, I've been watching a television news and trying to keep up with this story. What is going on with these whales washing up on New Jersey shores? Yeah, so that's an interesting story. New Jersey is going through a process to create a brand new industry, offshore wind. And if fully built out, it's going to take up through 2050 or so. It would power millions of homes. And it would also call, however, for wind turbines to be built anywhere from, say, 12, 15 miles off the coast. So these turbines are big. They're about eight, some of them are 850 feet tall. So picture kind mm-hmm. of city hall off in the distance in the water and multiply that by say 98 turbines for just for one wind farm, the first, mm. first installment of wind farms. They, there's a series of installments uh, coming over the years. The first wind farm hasn't started construction yet, but a lot of these wind farms are leased through the federal government. And so the process right now is that the companies that bid for these lease areas are surveying them. And they also have to survey for cable routes where the energy is going to connect to shore. So there's vessels out off the coast now uh, doing surveying, and uh, they're you know it's pretty extensive the area of these leases. It's pretty much from Long Island, you know, down through Delaware if you count some of the proposals off the coast of Delaware. Okay. So recently uh, this year, a few whales washed up uh, dead on the shore of Atlantic City, one in Brigantine, and I think there was one in Strathmere. And opponents of offshore wind, some of them are are upset that the windmills might be visible. That's not really clear right now whether they will be or how visible they'll be. Mm -hmm. Uh, If there'll be kind of small specks in the distance or they'll be uh, more obtrusive. So a lot of people are opposed to this just for that alone, but others have come across and saying that it's going to interrupt fishing, it's going to... uh, interfere with mammals uh, such as whales 
And when these whales washed up, a lot of people started connecting the dots, whether uh, they should have been connecting the dots or not is another question, uh, saying that maybe it's connected to the offshore wind surveying that these whales have washed up. But it's not really clear that there's more whales than in years past turning up dead. Okay. Some are more, more visible. I mean, when it shows up in Atlantic City, it's more visible than if it shows up on a more remote shore. So one of the issues that the federal government is dealing with through NOAA uh, fisheries is that there's been a whale event going on since 2016 where there's there's been an anomaly of uh, more whale deaths than normal occurring over that period. Wait, so are the whales actually hitting the vessels that are surveying the area? That's the issue. We don't know that. Uh, but okay. people offshore wind opponents have connected that and said... They, they make two points. They say that the ships are using sonar, the vessels are using sonar, which could be throwing off the whales and it could be causing them to collide with, or they are colliding with vessels. Uh, the problem with both of those is that sonar is kind of widely used. It's not, it's, a, it's certainly not a new technology. And um, most of the offshore wind vessels that are out there right now, actually the, uh, surveying are not using sonar. Uh, there's only one, as far as I can tell, from uh, looking at Coast Guard information. And there's also, at any given time, even in the winter, there's 50 to 100 vessels off the coast of New Jersey. Some are massive cargo ships traveling at fairly high speeds, uh, 20, say 20 knots or 23 miles an hour, something like that. So experts have told me that it's highly unlikely that a whale encountering any vessel going, say, eight to 10 knots would be, uh, it would be a fatal blow. And most of these offshore wind vessels that are doing the surveying are traveling fairly slowly. They're traveling like five, seven, eight knots, uh, whereas the cargo ships travel uh, much faster. So, And I'm not saying it was a cargo ship that did this. No one really knows. It's pretty hard to tell where a stranded whale came in contact with a vessel. So I think the point is that there are a lot of vessels out there and there's there are other uh, vessels using sonar other than offshore wind. So to connect it directly to whale deaths at this point seems very premature. Really great environmental stories that you brought to us today, Frank. Thank you so much for joining us on CityCast Philly. You're welcome. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our producers are Abby Fritz and Lizzie Goldsmith. Our Hey Philly newsletter editor is Brittany Valentine. And our host is me, Trinae Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable, with additional music from all the kimonos. If you enjoyed this week of episodes, share a link with a friend. We love your feedback. Rate the show, leave us a review. And subscribe to the Hey Philly newsletter. It comes in your inbox at 6 a.m. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Go Birds! See you on Monday, y'all. Bye. I've been looking for someone to talk to me about the whales for weeks, and you came into my life. Thank you so much, Frank. <laughs>